Hey, 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 welcome to the fourth season of Activate, a podcast consisting of purposeful conversations aimed at encouraging listeners to embrace both the beauty and chaos of life. Through laughter, tears, and brutally honest confessions, each episode will culminate with a call to action, offering tangible ways for listeners to not only strive for, but to become the best version of themselves. I'm Steph. And I'm KB. Steph is a certified holistic wellness and gut health specialist who has dedicated 10 years of her life to building multiple six-figure businesses online. And KB is a former network marketing hater turned top leader in her industry. She is a certified life coach helping women to get unstuck from the same chains that once held her back. Together, we have built a thriving business by helping incredible women just like you level up in their health and wealth, all while staying rooted in Christ. Thank you for being here. Let's do this. Hey, hey, hey. Hello. How are you? Hello. Um, <laughs> I'm okay. Maybe we'll ask later, but. Yeah. I'm it's going to be, it's going to be okay. You've got people praying. I just yeah. prayed. And whatever his will is, is what you want anyway. Absolutely. For yep. sure. Yeah. Yep. And we have our most other favorite sister in Christ, Nikki, on the show again today. Yes. Um, going over another just huge stronghold for me. Uh, Nikki and I both have very similar stories in this regard. Um, actually, very close to the same amount of days, which is so cool. Mm. Um, we figured that out when we recorded the last episode. And so today we're going to be talking about the key scriptures on stimulant and substance abuse. Um, uh, and then the key scriptures on self-control. And so I'm just, again, so extremely thankful for, um, for Nikki, you being here and just for our listeners, um, how we're able to just disciple through our show. Uh, it's been so, so incredible how just the Holy Spirit has just come in and, you know, how we had you on just to begin with. And then it was like, hey, yeah. let's just do all of this. Yes. You know, I, I know that we are so very thankful um, and it's just such a great, a great way to touch so many people. So thank you again for being here. Yes. Yeah. Thanks for having me back, you guys. I'm excited as always. All right, guys, before we get in the episode, I just want to talk to you about NUX Activewear. Work hard, play hard, and slay through the sweat with NUX Active. NUX Active is high-performance activewear that doesn't compromise on the chic. Located in Los Angeles, their diverse women-operated team oversees every meticulous detail of the design process, from the first stitch to the last shipment. They channel Positive Planet vibes through a commitment to using the best organic fabrics and recycled materials as much as possible. NUX Active is active fashion that flexes and fits like a buttery second skin. Power through Pilates, dare to reach your hit goals, and strive for that extra rep in Nux Active. Run, don't walk over to NuxActive.com. That's N-U-X-A-C-T-I-V-E.com to check out the latest collection and energizing colorways. As a gift to you, take 20% off your purchase with promo code ACTIVATE20 at checkout. That's ACTIVATE with a K, 20 at checkout. Make positive moves with Nux Active. All right. Should we dive in? I know we were just talking briefly before we um, pushed record um, <laughs> that there's some amazing ways to kind of identify mm-hmm. identify the stages um, that can occur with surrounding this. So do we want to start there? Yeah, that sounds great. So just for anyone listening, um, if you're not quite sure maybe where you're at, Um, when I kind of learned about this, I was already out of my addiction. 
Um, so I was able to look back at this and look for the different phases and really kind of um, grab a hold of where I was at that time in my life. And so for anyone listening, maybe you're going through it, maybe you know someone that's really close to you. Um, it just helps really put this into perspective. So um, we'll go ahead and dive in really quick to kind of exposing it. And then I'm going to read the four different phases of an addiction. An addiction can really specifically, we're going to more so talk about alcohol today than anything else. Um, but it really can be anything that you've become addicted to on your journey. So um, in a nutshell, God holds people responsible for every thought, word, and deed. Satan uses a variety of mood-altering substances to enslave, control, and demoralize people. Satan's goal is to addict people to substances like drugs and alcohol so that the substances control their lives rather than the person and the power of the Holy Spirit. And you can read more about that in Ephesians 5.18. So I'm going to read through the four different phases and hopefully this just kind of brings some insight in for you guys listening. Um, so this is phase one of an addiction. So the person makes low risk choices has no increase in tolerance, an increase in tolerance is a decrease in control, has a take it or leave it attitude about alcohol, does not use illegal drugs, uses medications as prescribed, does not develop alcohol or drug-related impairments, and protects the people and things they love. So that could be like phase one. That could essentially be for maybe the person that just has one drink randomly, yeah. they don't get drunk. Um, and that's not a sin if you're a Jesus follower, by the way, because you're not getting drunk. Um, so I just wanted to point that out, that that's just a take it or leave it is phase one. And then phase two, the person starts to make high risk choices, wants to experience the high and may only drink or use occasionally. But when they do, they push the limits. The person experiences an increase in tolerance, anticipates opportunities for excess use, and starts to experience state-dependent learning. This means the things learned in one mental or emotional state are best remembered or performed when back in the same state. For example, when the inhibitions are gone because of the alcohol or drugs, a person may meet new people, become a social butterfly, sing, dance, become flirtatious, land a date, make a business deal, or do better at work. The catch is the person can only do or perform at that same level when back in the same alcohol or drug-induced state. This results in developing social dependency on alcohol or drugs to perform at the same level. At this level, people begin to experience impairment problems in speech, reaction time, abstract thinking, uh, and safe boundaries. Pregnancy or infidelity increases dramatically at this level. In this stage, alcohol often becomes the avenue into prescription drug abuse or illegal drug use. So that's kind of that next phase. And then phase three gets a little bit deeper. So at this level, so dramatically and uh, we're still barely scratching the surface. Yeah. And as we're reading these, you know, if you've ever experienced this in your life, you're reading it and you're going, yep, <laughs> yep, then mm -hmm. there, yep, that's true. Um, so uh, phase three, at this level, the person develops psychological dependence on alcohol or drugs. 
In this stage, the person interrogates the alcohol or drug into more areas of his or her life, may skip events if alcohol or drugs is not present. It becomes harder to imagine life without the substance. Number two, state-dependent learning increases to the point that the person may feel inadequate or unable to function without the substance. Number three, the person develops a sense of relationship with the substance. He or she sees it as bringing out his or her best and begins to view it as a best friend. A subtle trust relationship develops with the substance, and when choosing loyalty among spouse, family, friends, work, or the substance, loyalty always goes to the substance. Key people are displaced by the substance. And then number four, defense of choices begins to happen as personal consequences increase in the person's life due to the addiction and bad choices the person makes. Blame is transferred to others and the substance is vigorously defended. If, if forced to choose between spouse, family, career, or the substance, the substance will most likely win. In stage three, personal consequences become costly and severe. The person may face divorce, job loss, financial crisis, legal problems, loss of driving privileges, gambling, addiction to try to make up for losses. He or she starts developing alcohol or drug-related health or impairment problems due to continual use. And a significant number of people die in accidents, fights, drownings, or as a result of acute health problems. Unfortunately, the addiction is seldom recorded as the cause of death. Blackouts also start happening at this stage. This does not mean passing out. It means simply not remembering what happened or how he or she got home. Many are exploited in the blackout state, even when seeming to be going along with the activity. At this stage, drinking or using becomes a method to cure hangovers. Mm -hmm. So that's phase three. And I think that's pretty deep. Um, but then there's even one step deeper. And so I'll read that one. It's a little bit shorter. So in this phase, it's phase four. Um, everything mentioned above happens. Plus the person becomes physically addicted to the alcohol or drug. This means they cross the trigger level. A psychological change takes place in the brain where it's now dependent on the alcohol to function. This results in a loss of control, meaning once the person uh, starts using he or she will not and cannot stop until the bottle is empty, the party is over, the keg is empty, the bar closes, the weekend is over, or something external forces him or her to stop. Because the person's brain is now dependent on the alcohol or drug in order to function, it is either openly or secretively integrated into every area of life. This results in severe increased consequences. Legal actions continue and now includes crimes, homelessness, or jail, even prison time. Organ dysfunction, premature aging, mental illness, and total loss of normality becomes the new normal. So... Those are just kind of four different levels that I think help put it into perspective. You know, what is it? Am I participating in it? If I am, what does that look like in my life or maybe someone that I love around me so that we can really just maybe see where we're at? Um, do you guys have any questions on that? <laughs> I just was going to say, I would definitely say at times of my life, there was high parts of three and four. <laughs> Right. So it doesn't mean that all of those boxes have to be checked for you to be in a two versus a three or three versus a four. Right. Um, for me, blackout was just that's what it was. No one else knew I was blacked out. Right. Like um, or, you know, drinking until it was gone, until the bar closed. I mean, that was every single time for sure. <laughs> you know, like or when people would be like, oh, yeah, I just had 
one glass of wine or I opened a bottle of wine last night. I'll have to finish it this weekend or something, you know, like what? Why? Why would you open it for one glass, you know? Um, and, you know, one the biggest thing that stood out for me was when you said the best friend thing. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I didn't necessarily, well, there were definitely times where I did because once you get so deep at different times, this was more like in my 20s, um, you know, I'm an isolator as it is anyway. So when something's wrong with me, you know, I don't, want to like ask for that help or whatever and so you know since being so sober that's one thing that I've really learned to heal much deeper is sharing with the people that I love and that you know like you too like coming to you for a prayer like I need you you know what I mean um and so not relying on the drinking again I've overcome pill abuse cocaine you know all of that and it was for me it was alcohol that just could not shake for so long. So I think it's really important for who's ever listening to this, you know, for you to be very honest with yourself, like where you fall on that level. And I just would say, you know, um, another thing is like Kristen, I feel like, you know, like had, had, had done drinking and things like that, but she was able to just be done with it, you know, and then she dealt with the consequences on the other side, like dealing with all of the pains, you know, and their family from her mom. And now mm-hmm. praise God, her mom is like, just everything's so great. But, you know, just realizing that it's not just you that's affected. And when you're, when you are, you know, kind of hiding or not asking for help and doing all of those things, you think you're, you're saving the other people or hiding the other people from it, but they know just as well as you do. And all they're doing is being worried about you, you know, so Um, reach out to any of us, you know, if you're on one side or the other, like we would love to pray with you through that. And, you know, I hope that um, I'm just praying that this will reach so many people on any side. Yeah. Yeah, that's so good. Um, And also just to shine some light on this, that this is something for many people um, that can just start as something subtle. And then it's like you get pulled into all these different phases and you don't even realize it or recognize it until it's too late oftentimes. Um, And I remember too, like when I recognized, and it was really for me going through a 36-week healing ministry, and then I started reading the Bible. So I wasn't even getting the truth right away. I was dealing with my past pain. Mm -hmm. And through that ministry... um, it revealed my addiction and I wasn't going to that to reveal my addiction. I didn't even think I had an addiction, but it was about halfway through that, that I was, you know, learning what, what God said about purity and just being well and being healthy because that's who he is. And I loved him. So I was reading that. And because of that relationship I was building and because he was healing my wounds, um, I realized that um, it was just creating so much dysfunction in my life and it was affecting other people around me. And it really got to that point of like having to make that decision. And I remember um, trying to stop many times in my flesh. And what we know is that we have to die to our flesh, right? When we're picking up our cross, we have to die to our flesh and we have to say yes to the things of the spirit. And I remember just asking God, I said, okay, fine, I'm done. I'm laying it at the foot of the cross but I pray and I ask that you take away the desire fully because I don't want to battle with this. Yeah. 
and he completely delivered me. And so if you're struggling with that and you feel like your flesh is battling it, I encourage you to stop trying to battle it in the flesh because it's in the spirit. The Holy Spirit's the only one that can deliver you. So ask him to take away your desire for this thing or anything else that you're struggling with in life and he'll do it. Yeah. And that's, you know, that it's a battle. And I know myself and you and so zillions of people all across the globe, right? Like if you're feeling shameful and guilt and all of these things, that's conviction. So maybe you're not even in your faith walk. Conviction is that it's that, you know, that it's wrong. That is God pursuing you. And he is here to help you and take that from you. That's so cool. I felt myself like, like phase one is definitely me in my life now. Um, but phase two felt like it resonated with me the most aside from blacking out. I mean, I blacked out all the time. Like I had no idea what happened. Um, and as you guys are talking, I'm, I was like trying to think back and think, did I ever think, oh, I need to quit drinking? Even though I made every bad mistake, I don't ever remember a time where I thought, oh, I need to quit drinking. It was just like, oh, I drank a lot last night. You know, it wasn't like, man, I really need to, I really need to stop this. And it just, it just sort of happened for me. Like it wasn't a real conscious decision. I remember even when I first met Jonathan, it was like, are we drinking tonight? Uh, you know, because it was like, I was so used to that. And it was like, you know, when you're first meeting someone, I think that in that time, Steph, I know that you just, you know, you recently were just like dating for the first time again. And like to do that all without alcohol seems like, whoa, right? Like, like this is going to be really hard to like, yeah, just kind of like, you know, relax. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm thinking about that, but like for us, then it just, I, I ended up just getting pregnant with Asher so quickly after, and I nursed him for so long that, so for basically like three and a half years between being pregnant and nursing, I hadn't been drunk. And then I loved that so much. Like I loved that about me. Like I didn't need this for all this time. Why would I bring that back into my life when I know I have a history of making really silly, terrible, hurtful choices, you know, not only hurting other people, but hurting myself, you know? Um, So that's interesting. Very interesting. And it was interesting too, to listen to you say it because I'm like, Oh, that's so-and-so that's so-and-so, you know, like in your life, you can, you can see the people in your life in these phases and wow. You know, I've watched, I watched literally watched people die in my life from alcohol. And one other thing I'll say is that I never really realized because in my first marriage, it was like my ex had a lot of alcohol issues and it's funny because I never really realized that there was such a spectrum of what that looked like because he he would drink socially but he was the one who couldn't didn't stop when everyone else stopped and you know kept it going forever and was the first one to wake up in the morning and crack the beer and whatever but then to see like but you know then like function all week maybe go a few days without and whatever and then you know the weekend comes around and you do this whole bender again but then to watch people that I know and love progress from like a social drinker into like, Oh, this seems like it's getting to be like a lot to, Oh my gosh, they're always drunk, but I never see them drink. So it becomes a secret, you know, and they're hiding it. And it goes from, you know, it goes from a beer with a friend or now I'm really enjoying wine while I make dinner to like, 
now I'm like hiding vodka in a water bottle, you know? And it's like, I can't function. Like you're saying, like you, they physically have to have it They're They've become so addicted that their body can't live without it. And they can literally die if they don't have it. So mm-hmm. very um, interesting. What a, what a slippery slope it is and just the full like spectrum of, of what it is. And just because you're not the person with the vodka in the water bottle doesn't mean, um, you know, if you're just at the beginning of phase two, it's still just as big of a problem. You know, it's still something that needs to be addressed. And it's really hard. Like if you know, you don't want to drink, but like, Oh, but I'm going here and everybody's, you know, what will they say? They'll make fun of me or, you know, whatever. And you know, yeah, the dating without it, you know, Jay nor I have ever, ever, ever had a drink since we've met. Mm-hmm. And the cool thing about it was because I've been <laughs> so far into my own healing journey that, you know, it was really awesome to be able to do everything. So I have done everything, a complete 360 with him, everything, how intentional I am, if, even with my words, how I react, how I approach you know like all of those things and it's that's god's hand you know it was his promise like everything i ever prayed through and you know leading up to it and healing on the way and all that stuff um so i know that because i also have been in those situations where you like you're saying you start dating someone and you're like oh gosh okay well now we have to go and get hammered because this is going to be so weird otherwise Mm -hmm. you know yeah like and what like you're like, you're saying, Nikki, like the Holy spirit is in you. You're diminishing. Even like we were saying with the sex and all of that, like sex before marriage. And you know, it's, it's so very clear in here what the truth says. Um, and all of those feelings that you have because of it, that's the Holy spirit. Yeah. Yeah. And those are all really great perspectives. So I'm glad everybody shared a little bit because it really can come from every single angle. Um, And so when people share bits and pieces of their testimony, there's so much power in that, whether it was someone who grew up with a parent that was experiencing that, whether it's someone that's done it, um, your story is probably in alignment with someone else's story, regardless of where you're at. So you're not alone in that. And I think that what we have to remember is sometimes we get so tied up in our, in, in the what, and we have to ask ourselves, why, why are we doing this? Why are they doing this? And 99% of the time, it's because there's a wound and there's a hurt that has not been healed. So we have to be honest and upfront, sometimes not just with the substance, but that we have unhealed pain and wounds that we have not yet let God heal, which is why we're doing what we're doing, whether it's seeking emotional, sexual, whatever it is, alcoholism, drugs, gossip, whatever it is, right? It doesn't matter. A sin is a sin is a sin. Yeah. But why are we doing it? And it's always because of a hurt period, because if we were healed, we wouldn't be participating in them to begin with. And so I think that's a beautiful thing because God uses the fruits of the spirit to just show us like a radar, like where we're at. Here's where you are. You're okay. You're okay. Like I can help you through this. Um, But it's when we want to hide it and say, no, 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 I don't want to touch that hurt. No, no, no. That one hurts too much. I don't, that's when we're just, we're not letting those walls down and we have to find someone safe, a safe place, a good place for that. And trust God in faith, knowing that he's going to bring us out of that and through it. And that's the hardest part. Yeah. And so so many people are, as we learned last, 
last time with the sexual sin too, you know, those things can be passed on. Those are chains, you know? And so for a lot of people, it's, yes, you grew up with that and it's in your history. Um, and then that's what you do and become and, you know, um, yeah. And, and, you know, think about that too. Like, just think about the dysfunction, right. That we pick up along the way. It's always a lie. It's always a lie. And then we do what we do because of the thought that we thought and the lie mm-hmm. that we believed. Right. And so if we could just get that part down and like the Romans 12 to renewing your mind, making sure that the thought is in alignment with the thought of Christ and the word of God, because he cares for us and all of these things, they're not rules to hurt us they're literally to pull us out of our pit and out of our hurt because these things are so dysfunctional and unhealthy that they're causing a lot of the dysfunction in our life and we can't understand why and oftentimes it's when we heal and we close the doors that you'll see that the peace starts to pour in and and the comfort and all the things that you desire but those those things can't move in without the other things first moving out oftentimes so you're not a bad person you're not a bad person Everybody has some junk in their life, Um, but ultimately, you know, we've been here too. And like I said, everything that I choose to come on and share is because I've already walked in it and I know how detrimental and dysfunctional it was in my life at one point. And so I'm not here to just say your sin is this and that. It's like, no, I've been there. I know how it feels. I know how messed up it was. And I know how poisonous that is. And so my hope is just to shine some light on those things that I was so blind to for all those years. And then even rebelled to at first. And it wasn't until I let my guard down to let him come in and heal me that um, he took away desire. Because the desire is always going to be there if there's a wound. Right. Yeah. It's always going to be there if there's a wound, which means I need something from someone or something to help me feel better. Yeah. And God's never going to give us any of the things that he asks us. The Holy Spirit's never going to tempt us with things that he never gave us or wanted us to take part of in any way. That's when we're going to turn to the things of the world and the enemy. And so I just want to shine light on that, that there's wounds, there's hurts. It's okay. You're not alone. Everybody has them, but there's a bigger purpose for our lives. And our purpose is to do the will of God. And and unfortunately, we do the will of God with crutches when we're wounded and unhealed. And um, he wants us healed so that we can do his will. Yeah. yeah, I love it. And when you're, as we said, too, when you're on your faith walk and continuing that journey to be more sanctified, you know better. So when you know better, you do better. I mean, for me, I struggled with that decision of whether or not to drink for 20 years or more. That's a long time. You know, I feel like my 500 and whatever days feels like a really long time. That's because it is. a really, 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 really long time. I struggled with that. So the most beautiful. And only- yeah. yeah. And you can do it. You know, if you're listening, you can absolutely do it. If any one of us can do it in our different stories, our different wounds, our different past, there's absolutely no reason God won't do it for you. Yes. Amen. All right, you guys, let's go ahead and dive in. So as you know, we're going to start with six scriptures that are going to expose stimulant and substance abuse. So we're going to start with Genesis 9, 20 through 27. Okay, Noah, a man of the soil, proceeded to plant a vineyard. When he drank some of its wine, he became drunk and lay uncovered inside his tent. Ham, the father of Canaan, saw his father naked and told his two brothers outside. 
But Shem and Japheth took a garment and laid it across their shoulders. Then they walked in backward and covered their father's naked body. Their faces were turned the other way so that they would not see their father naked. Um, when Noah awoke, awoke from his wine and found out what his youngest son had done to him, he said, Cursed be Canaan, the lowest of slaves, will he be to his brothers. He also said, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Shem. May Canaan be the slave of Shem. May God extend Japheth's territory and may Japheth live in the tents of Shem. And may Canaan be the slave of Japheth. So that scripture right there is right out of the gates in Genesis. And it says the first mention of wine and drunkenness in the Bible resulted in a curse on many generations through Noah's drunkenness. So as you're reading the scripture, you can just see like when his kids came in, there was just different effects on the different lineage in the, in the bloodline because of the drunkenness. There was the nakedness, which they felt shame, guilt, probably, you know, so you can think of all the things that the feelings that were coming in through that. Um, and that was the very first mention of it in Genesis. So we can think of it like that as well, that I know we mentioned earlier, our very own drunkenness is affecting so many other people. Mm-hmm. Right? And in sometimes we do it not knowing, showing that it's normal or common, but yeah. it's causing a lot of this other stuff outside of that too. Yeah. Uh, okay, so we're going to go to Proverbs 23, 29 through 35 next. Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has strife? Who has complaints? Who has needless bruises? Who has bloodshot eyes? Those who linger over wine, who go to sample bowls of mixed wine. Do not gaze at wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup, when it goes down smoothly. In the end, it bites like a snake and poisons like a viper. Your eyes will see strange sights and your mind will imagine confusing things. You will be like one sleeping on the high seas, lying on top of the rigging. They hit me, you will say, but I'm not hurt. They beat me, but I don't feel it. When will I wake up so I can find another drink? Wow. How powerful is that? Just the description of alcoholism and what it does. Yeah. I mean... Again, if you've partaken in this at any point in your life, you read that and you just go, wow, yeah, but there's nothing that's going to come from glory. You know, this is, it's like a robber in the night that's coming in, just waiting for you to, to cross that line. And then all of these bad things can happen. Why? Because of the drunkenness, because of that state of mind. All right. So next is Ephesians 5.18. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the spirit. Yeah, that's really good. So a lot of times, too, people will ask. I was just going to look up, too. Sometimes, you guys, if you read, like, things in the Bible, if you're always like, what does this word actually mean, right? I, like, have to go dive in just a little bit deeper and read on that. So I was going to... See 518. Okay, so... Okay, so this just says, do not be drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. So um, essentially what it's saying is, do not cross that line. And one of the things I feel like I talk with people about too, especially those that don't know how to stop, like, and how do you know, this is the hard part. This is what I think about with like children, like raising up children and even for adults is like, 
how do you know where the line is? Well, once you've already crossed it, (laughs) right? Like you only know, like we talked about earlier, when you're blacked out or when you remember the night before, wow, that was a lot I had to drink. You only know because of being there. And I guess maybe if you're able to do that once and recognize like, okay, this is my limit. I can just have one. I'm good. But for so many, it's really hard. And it's that temptation that the enemy uses. He slides in and he's like, you can just have one. And then so many people are not able to just have one and have that control. Um, so Paul's just warning about the drunkenness that is beyond good health in this, uh, in this scripture. But that's hard for a lot of people. There's no where that line is mm-hmm. and maybe that's where you like you were actually being protected right like i know i was being pursued but Kristen, maybe you were protected in that thing because like even though you're blacked out maybe it was because he gave you a low tolerance and you didn't have to you know what i mean like and then you just were able to to stop that's awesome yeah and that it affects you like i never thought like oh my gosh i need to stop drinking you know like that's right right and you can like you can have a margarita, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's so weird. Yeah, it's, it's kind of my favorite thing. It's just, I just I don't, I hardly ever do it. You know, yeah. it's like that we have guests this weekend. And I know, right. <laughs> definitely, if I ever order a second one and my food comes, there's no chance I'm drinking the margarita. I'm choosing the food every single time over the drink. Um, but so I know this weekend I will have a drink um, and potentially two, but for me, I guess I know that's my line. Like for me, it's like, I would never have more than two. Um, I don't know. It's just like, like, I don't even want more, but I also know that I don't want what comes after two. I just don't. Right. For Nikki and I, we would have been like, okay, well, we'll be drinking over here. <laughs> I mean, that was, before Jonathan, that was my life. I, all, I would drink, you know, a lot, a lot, a lot. Mm-hmm. And I think that's like a great mirroring, Kristen, of you like asking yourself in that moment. So you just said before Jonathan. So before Jonathan, if you would have asked yourself why, your why would have been different than it is now. So mm-hmm. your why isn't to go like numb out or forget mm-hmm. about life mm-hmm. or to heal. Your why is just like, I can have one. I know my limit. It's just something I do rarely. Right. You don't have that desire. Right. And how incredible you knew exactly what you didn't want to repeat. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, I mean, that's, that's learning from your mistakes, right? <laughs> it's just very simple. Like live in there and you know better, you do better. Just like you said, I knew that I didn't want that for this part of my life. And I knew I wanted to set a better example for my kids. Yeah. And, you know, I always share that story. Like my son saw me drink a beer like two years ago at my nephew's graduation. And he's like, whoa, 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 ma, what are you doing? Well, look at here, you know, like he was like, and I was just like, thank you, God, that they have no recollection of when they were little, because I drank all the time, you know, it just didn't even dawn on me that, whoa, this kid's never seen me drink a beer. Because we would only drink like if Jonathan, and I went on date night, we would go to dinner, have a drink and come home. So the kids were never part of it. And it's just, it was just so interesting. It was like a big aha moment for me when he was like making such a big deal of, out of it, because I'm like, wow, you know, like, thank you, God, that, that that's his reaction. And that was such a bigger thing than I think you thought even at that time when you very first said that, because that for me was instrumental. When yeah. You said, yeah. You know, it was, that changed my life. Yeah. Um, and I was just thinking about when we had Jenna on our podcast, I can't remember the one thing that she said. It was you and her specifically. I 
can't remember the thing she said. Now I'm going to have to go back and listen. I was actually telling Jay this yesterday. I'm like, I can't remember what she said, but it was yeah. just one of those things that yeah. just stood out to me. And I grabbed on that. And when I finally was like, God, like you, I'm done. Yeah. And so thank you for that. Yeah. 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 That's really good. And I think a lot of people could relate to that too. And just saying we want better for our kids than for our kids to just have memory of that. Cause I know mine, when he was little, he had memory, you know, of that. Maybe he still does. I'm, I'm sure maybe he does, but it's like, I remember when I, I realized that I was like, I don't want my kid to think that this is okay. Mm-hmm. I don't want him to think this is normal. I don't want him to see me in this state. And I think you can get to that point too, where, you know, it's, you know, it's affecting others around you and you know, it's not right. And so then every time you do it, it's not fun anyway anymore, right? You're just like, ah, conviction. Yeah. But yeah. I do it again. Ah, conviction. And so when that conviction starts coming, it's just like, this isn't even worth it. You but know? Even, if we, even if like for all of us, even if our kids did have that memory, we've repented of that now and they've seen yeah. that. And so that's the most beautiful thing we can do for them, right? We can show them that you can get out of whatever it is that you're in, um, you know, and, and do and be better. It doesn't mean, you know, it doesn't mean anything as long as you, you know, listen to that conviction and make a change. Yeah. Yes. I was actually just telling somebody that recently too. I said, at first I felt condemnation about that, you know, in that transition. Not and then I said, actually such a beautiful thing though, because he knows there's only one thing that happened in my life when I started dropping everything. And that was mm-hmm. Jesus. Yeah. yeah. He knows. So he got to see that mess without Jesus, he knows Jesus was my transformation. And so I'm like, praise God for that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And just think all three of us blacked out every time you think you're pulling the wool over adults eyes that you're drinking with, but not your innocent child that is so connected to you. You know, that was a whole nother thing for me. Once I was like, dude, he's not stupid. Mm. Cause I remember seeing my dad hammered, you know? And how I felt as a young child watching that. And then it's like, wait, but I'm going to do that. No. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's good. That's for somebody listening today <laughs> for sure. <laughs> yeah. We've been there for sure. Um, okay. So next scripture is Galatians five nineteen through 21. Oh, this is the one that hit me when I quit. <laughs> <laughs> the acts of the flesh are obvious sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, for those who live like this will not inherit the what? The kingdom of God. Mm. You guys, I remember, like I said, I was like being healed, but I remember this, this scripture and there's two others that say the same exact thing. Um, I just remember reading that and I was like, well, wait, like that's the scripture that really woke me up to, I mean, there's lots of things in there, you know, um, lots of things, idolatry, sexual immorality, enmity, strife, jealousy. So again, like I said earlier, a sin is a sin is a sin. Um, those are all measured the same. They're all measured the same. So just because you have one sin, it doesn't mean that you're worse off than someone else the measurement of them are all the same. And these are all what they're deeds of the flesh. When we choose Jesus and we pick up our cross and we follow him, we are to die to this stuff. Yeah. Why? Because the Holy spirit lives inside of us. It grieves him when we do that. He's inside of us as I'm getting drunk and he's like, I don't want this. Mm. 
that's why you feel conviction because he's in there and you're doing those things and you're feeling that. And he's saying, that's not what I want for you. You're worth more than that. Purity is power. I am holy. You be holy. And so those are the deeds of the flesh. So to remember that that's who we were, we've died to that. Now we're picking up our cross. We're learning what God is saying. We're learning who he is. And now he's revealing these things to us that some of us were just blind to. Some people have been Christians their whole life and they've never actually had revelation on these scriptures before. Mm -hmm. So they don't even know. They just don't know. Mm -hmm. You know, people's faith is increased. The revelation is increased by what? Hearing the word of God. So if you hear it, you're not going to hear it and go, "Mm, I don't know. I don't think he really means that. That doesn't seem too... (laughs) Serious. I mean, it only says you won't inherit the kingdom of God. And now I know. So now I have a choice to make, you know, it's like, he's like, I do think, I mean, I'm going to be honest. I do think there's some grace for things that we don't know. We could never possibly know this whole entire thing. But what if we've been following him? I'm going to say Christian. I'm not even going to say following him. What if we've been a quote unquote Christian for 30 years and we don't know any of this thing, then we've never actually been following him. I've never been. I really think that that was us. Like I, I loved Jesus and I, you know, I, I just, I just didn't, wasn't digging in. I just thought I knew enough. I thought I believe, so I'm saved. Yeah. yeah. Period. Which, which that's total scripture, but then there's more and it's, it's more, more that I think that what, I mean, to, to be saved, it means to follow Jesus. Well, how do we follow him if we don't even know what it says? Yeah. Follow the world if we don't know what it says. Yeah. So I do think there's some grace in that because, yeah, you can't possibly know it all. But gosh, if you're following him, you're seeking him. I always say that. Like, don't worry about the things that you're doing wrong. The sin that you don't realize is sin. Like, you're not going to be, hopefully. I mean, we believe, like you're saying, there's grace for that. But like, be worried about the things that you know that are wrong that you're not repenting of. That's where you're really, you're blatantly being disobedient. Don't read some of the things and then keep doing it and then keep praying, God, forgive me, God, forgive me. Like, no, he said what he said. You know it now. Yeah. And I think that's where that conviction comes in because once you see it and he reveals it, then you have the conviction suddenly, whereas maybe you didn't have it before because you didn't know. You just didn't know. But um, I often ask myself that too. I think, okay, so if I chose Jesus 30 years ago, but I never was seeking him, I don't know where I would stand, you guys. I don't know because my actions would have been in total opposition of what Jesus would have wanted for my life. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't know. It's a lot to wrap your mind around. Yeah. Like I grew up in the church, but I did not know the word at all. I've even had some people say, oh yeah, we never read it. It just sat on a shelf. Nobody in my family ever read it. And I'm like, wow, I didn't grow up in church or no believing in God, I guess, like till I was later. So I just assumed everybody that was quote unquote Christian knew the whole thing. I just thought they knew the whole thing and I was behind. And I think so many people are, for me, I've said this many, many times. I was, um, you know, I just felt like, oh my gosh, I don't know the word. How come all these people can just memorize scripture and da, 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 da. But as we've learned also, I tell people all the time, don't say that out loud. Take it back, take it back, take it back. So this whole time I've been saying, I mean, I just don't know the word. Well, right. I'm not going to know the word if I'm owning that I don't know the word, right? Um, so 
Yeah, this has sparked it, watching Kristen, you know, doing the Bible recap. I want to get those alabaster books, like the different, the book of each book of the Bible. Um, Don't get the alabaster books. <laughs> no? No, they are, um, and I'll, I'm fine saying this, but I I love the each book of the Bible ones so far, but I will tell you, I've never read any of those. I collect those and they're beautiful, but I got their um, devotion for Christmas and it is, it is very of this world. It is very leaning towards culture. I was very disappointed, very, in my opinion, very liberal and I didn't like it. Okay. Good enough. Yeah. Cause it's popping up. Cause I like, don't waste your money, sis. No, I, I was not a fan. Books that you have. So, okay. Well, that's good to know. So I do have to do the recap. Do the Bible recap. That's just plain old scripture. Well, and do you guys remember, like, I think it was on the freedom and Christ podcast episode possibly that we talked about like just getting into your Bible and mm -hmm. how you do have to start sometimes with like a simple devotional or things like that. But again, since what we just talked about, like, I think that's where it, it is important. It's like a baby on baby food, like eventually, right? Like we have to start somewhere, but gosh, mm -hmm. what if we never got into the Bible and we only got into whatever it was you were just talking about? Cause I don't know what it is, yeah. but you said, and the reason you said it's very worldly now is because now, you know, scripture to know yes. the difference. So that's, yes. Amen. that's all people are ingesting. So yes. if they're going, so well, good. there's one scripture in it, so I'm good. It's like, but what you just said, I think that's why it's like, it is so important, whatever version you need to get to like, just get into it. Mm -hmm. And every year you're going to develop more and more and get more mature in that. Yes. That's so that's good. Why. That's why. But if you have to start there, yeah. Um, but you just have to know how to discern and gosh, we can't know how to discern if we don't know what the flesh and the world is, Adam or the spirit, Holy spirit, Jesus says, cause they're total opposition. Right. And we naturally fall into the flesh. That's just a natural position for us, mm -hmm. you know? So that's so interesting, really. And it, you know what, Nikki, yeah. I've never thought about that in my life that I grew up in church my whole life. No one picked up a Bible and read it around me. I read my Bible in Sunday school, in first communion classes, in confirmation. That's all. Yeah. That's for so many. Never did I read? I mean, I had one for those reasons because I had to bring it every Sunday and every Wednesday night. But, yeah. you know, and we would read. But I never was just around anyone that was just sitting there reading a Bible. Never. I would say that's probably at least half of the Christian families growing up in church. And let's just say, is that why maybe we even see Christians who this is where they, I mean, the Pharisees were hypocrites, mm -hmm. right? So this is why I think the name Christian gets a bad rap and name is because they're deceived when they're not in their word. So here we have Christians proclaiming Jesus who are walking in opposition to what they're saying who look the same as the world. And now we have people going, I don't need that Jesus that you have because you don't look any different than me. It's because there's deception in the mind because we haven't renewed our mind with the word of God. So that's a dangerous place to be in itself because if you don't know, you don't know, right? Mm -hmm. But um, I think that is why the word Christian, I was like so grossed out by that word for such a long time, like when I got saved. And I hate to say that, but I'm not kidding. Like I was like, 
following Jesus. Like I'm just following Jesus. Like I'm not a denomination. I'm not, I just love Jesus. I just want to know more of him. I just want to follow him. Like, because I think that that's where the world has gone with Christianity. It's such an Americanized Christianity, which is oftentimes unbiblical. Yeah. And that's just dangerous. And, and people are struggling because they don't know the truth and they're participating in things that are just plain dangerous. But America says it's normal. Mm-hmm. Here's one other thing. I don't know why this is coming up right now and then we should move on. But when I, too, when growing up, I had no idea that there were people that I knew that didn't believe in God. I had no idea. I just assumed that everyone believed in God. Like I had no idea that there were people like, I just thought like, Oh, well, if I know you and you go to my school and you live here and we all just believe in God, I had no idea until I was literally a grown up that like kids in my class didn't believe in God. I had no idea. Isn't that so funny? Like I just, I just assumed that we all thought the same thing. And it's just, I mean, it's really sad to really know the truth. That's really good though, because why would you as a little girl? Like you would, because you believed so you just thought everybody else would too. You wouldn't even know there was another option. So that's really cool too in a sense. But yeah, now that you think back at it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It made me think that because you said you were turned off by that word. And I've always been so proud of that word, even as a little girl. Like I, I was so proud of that. And I just, that's what I'm saying. Like I wasn't even exposed to anyone. I thought like, basically I thought if you didn't believe you were like a devil worshiper. Like those were the, that was the opposite, right? Like, I mean, yeah, but, but, but do you see what I'm saying? Like, I just, like, I think there's so many people with nothing. They don't, they don't like, if you don't like the devil is as, as real as God. So it's kind of like, if you don't believe in God, a lot of people also don't believe in the devil. They just believe in nothing. But I didn't know that was an option. Like I thought, I, I don't know. That's just so interesting to me right now in this moment. Well, that's really, really good. There's so many people again, they, maybe they're there. I'll, you know, before in the very beginning for me, when I really started the transformation, it was like the universe. Cause I was afraid to say mm. like that holy that I'm a Christian because da, 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 da. but that yeah who made the universe man <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah I know wow I know it's just like when you really ponder on this stuff it's like some days I'm like I gotta stop, I gotta stop. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like about to lose my mind I can't even process this stuff you know mm-hmm. um but yeah but you know okay I just want to point this out really quick too because I think it's gonna hit for somebody so the reason I, I kind of hated that word was because like I knew people who went to church. So like when I did hair, for instance, they'd come get their hair done. They'd tell me they go to church, but it was always, I never heard the story about Jesus or what he's done in their life. I always heard, what church do you go to? Oh, you don't go to church? Oh, yeah, you better get to church. And I'm like, but why? Mm-hmm. Or they'd be going out getting plastered or, you know, hey, we're going to be fasting. I can't have this because I can't this and I can't this. It was always I centered. It was never, yeah. I never knew. So I was like, that sounds so bizarre to me, you know? And so um, looking back, I just think, gosh, what if someone would have told me their testimony? Mm. Like, here's where I was and here's what Jesus did for me in my life. Cause my life was such a mess at that time. Would it have planted a seed, which I know God's timing is perfect. So it's like, okay, well, I know that my past was my past for a reason, but yes, like, man. what if someone would have told me their testimony? You know, like what if someone would have just said, this is where I was. This is what Jesus did for me. There would have been a lot of dark moments. I think I would have been like, 
what about this Jesus? Yeah. What about this Jesus? Maybe, gosh, maybe he could do that for me. My life's a mess right now. I think that would have planted such a beautiful seed. Okay, so we're okay. going into Revelation 18. Yeah, 18, two through three. With a mighty voice, he shouted, Fallen, fallen is a Babylon the Great. She has become a dwelling for demons and a haunt for every impure spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird, a haunt for every unclean and detestable animal. For all the nations have drunk the maddening wine of their adulterers. adulteries. The kings of the earth committed adultery with her and the merchants of the earth grew rich from her excessive luxuries. Yeah, so that's another big one. So, and it was even talking about the kings even participating in this stuff. You know, there's a lot of stuff in the Old Testament that some people will read and they'll just be like super offended by it. Like, well, the kings and this, and it's like, but that's just it. There are these things that are not pure that God said, you know, Babylon has become a dwelling place for this kind of stuff. Drunkenness is one of them. Um, Sexual immorality is another one. Um, And that's why he says, come out of her. You know, when you skip forward to to verse four, come out of her, my people, come out of her, my people. This is a dwelling place for demons. These are demon spirits. Um, So he's connecting Babylon uh, with the use of wine, sexual immorality to demonic seduction of people. So these are the things that would seduce the people. And I think we talked about this a couple uh, episodes ago also that um, these spirits, if they can get you to participate in this stuff you're doing it on your own. So it's just through that deception. Like they don't even have to take you to war. You're at war with yourself because you're sliding into this stuff. Just not knowing. Hmm. The last one is Isaiah 14 verse 11. All your pomp pomp has been brought down to the grave along with the noise of your hearts. Maggots are spread out beneath you and worms cover you. (laughs) So this is just saying there's forms of music and arts that can function as substance abuse. Um, note that Satan's music fell, Satan's music and art fell with him. He uses them to deceive nations. So again, there are just those different sounds, different tunes, different uh, things going on in Babylonia that people are participating in. And these are just different things that if you look around when you're participating in these things, you can look at some of the art, you can look at some of the music, and those are even just different forms that sometimes we can be deceived to as well. Right. That party music, you know, <laughs> we're talking about substance abuse. Let's talk about party music. It's a little bit different than what I listened to today, you know. Your eyes and ears and even, you know, just how I used to never censor any music in my spin classes or, you know, how I would censor my spin class. But then when I would work out, it was like all in, you know, all the words or whatever, just the things you watch. And gosh, sometimes you don't even recognize it. Like it's like the beat, you know, and then you actually like find yourself saying the words as you're on this sanctification journey. It's like, whoa, 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 wait a second. (laughs) What that just said? Like, I actually just said that that out of my mouth. Yeah. Oh my man, said her own. Okay. Yeah, I know. I can't remember when I was singing um, Adina, remember Adina Howard or whatever, Freak Like Me. I was oh, singing one just out of nowhere, and Jay was like, baby, you were like 14 when that song came out. He was like, yeah. and I was like, yeah, that was my jam. You yeah. know, like, what in the world? I know. Um, 
Okay, so stimulant abuse in the Bible was mostly attached to alcohol, but could relate to anything that is mood altering and results in unhealthy addictions and decisions. Many liquor stores, catch this, this was like eye-opening for me. Many liquor stores still advertise liquor as wine and spirits. Alcohol pathway to the demon in the bottle. Yikes. So no. it comes in when you are not conscious, which is even crazier because it ain't the Holy Spirit operating, right? It's, right? it's a chronic spirit. Wow. Often of lust and no self-control, all of those things. Um yeah. So we're going to dive into next. What is the antidote to stimulant and substance abuse? Well, we talked about it earlier. I really truly believe that it's healing the past wounds, letting God come in and heal those wounds, those, those hurt areas in your life. But it really comes down to self-control and that self-control comes through the power of the Holy Spirit through healing. So we're going to dive into the scriptures of self-control next. There are five. And so we're going to start with Galatians 5, 22 through 24. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Yep. So self-control is a crucial fruit of the spirit. So the other thing to remember is, again, the Holy Spirit never tempts outside of holiness, purity, righteousness. So Mm -hmm. if there's a temptation, it's that's altering your self-control that's not coming from God because we know that's not who he is. Um, And again, that self-control comes, it's a part of dying to your flesh, saying no to your flesh. I'm not going to feed you flesh. I'm going to feed my spirit man, right? Because we naturally feed the flesh. And if there are some things that we're feeding, this is super random, but I was like really learning a lot about like uh, sourdough bread lately and like feeding it. And I'm just thinking of it as like the flesh, like if we keep feeding the flesh, it's going to keep on bubbling and growing. <laughs> it's like, those are the things we have to starve. That's why they talk about um, fasting so much for spiritual growth, because you're actually not feeding your flesh with the food so that you can elevate in the spirit. That's the power of fasting. Yeah. Um, and so I thought that that was really cool too, but yeah, self-control is a big one. And if we don't have the self-control, it's because we're still feeding our flesh. We're not feeding the spirit, man. Um, okay, so First Timothy 3, 1 through 7 is next. Here's a trustworthy saying, whoever aspires to be an overseer desires a noble task. Now the overseer is to be above reproach, faithful to his wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to reach, not given to drunkenness, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him, and he must do so in a manner worthy of full respect. If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? Ooh. He must not be a recent con- convert, or he may become conceited and fall under the same judgment as the devil. He must also have a good reputation with outsiders so that his will will not fall into disgrace and into the devil's trap. Mm, that's powerful. Wow. So to grab just like the addiction part out of there, um, I know that's a lot in that scripture is not being addicted to wine is a key qualification for leadership. So again, you know, a lot of people are in leadership right now who are addicted or walking through that, or, you know, I used to run a business too, and I would just be in my addiction. And it's like, 
you really only thought that you could be running that thing well while you were drunk. But the key to leadership, why? Because our purpose is to be servants of God. Well, we can't even serve God's church if we can't even serve ourselves the way that God wants us pure and our own homes in many different ways. But again, drunkenness is one of those. Um, yeah, it's a key qualification for leadership. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We're going to go to first Peter one, 13 through 14. Next. It says, be holy. Therefore with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you. when Jesus Christ is revealed that is coming as obedient children. Do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. Yeah. So that kind of sums up what we talked about tonight too. Like just being ignorant is not, is just not seeking. If you're just not seeking, you're just, ignorant to the truth and you can't gain the revelation of Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, and do not be conformed to the passions of our former flesh, our former self. Um, believers are to guard their minds for action and remain sober in spirit. The only thing we should be getting drunk on is the Holy Spirit. Um, so we're going to just skip right over to first Peter four, three through five next. For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans chose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. They are surprised that you do not join them in their reckless, wild living, and they heap abuse on you. But they will have to give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is the reason the gospel was preached even to those who are now dead, so that they may not be judged according to human standards and regard regard to the body, but live according to God in regard to the spirit. Oh yeah. So good. So the lifestyle of drinking parties and similar things should stop at salvation. So again, this is kind of like a bullet point to what we talked about earlier. If these things aren't stopping at salvation, or maybe you've picked it up like halfway through your faith walk for some reason, um, something's off. And again, I think it's because there's a hurt or a pain or a wound. Something's off for that reason. So um, this should, like, we shouldn't be participating. And again, I think this is just the revelation the Holy Spirit gives us. He's showing us, hey, if you're participating in this, like, this is not where I'm calling you to go. And so he's just bringing that to light again in that scripture. It should stop at salvation. And that's part of the sanctification process that happens after salvation. But there are going to be people who walk the walk. And that's why he says, stay strong, pick up your cross. Don't fall weak in your faith on your journey. This is a forever journey. Like if we're here for 60 more years. We're, we're called to pick up our cross all the time. So if something, the devil uses something to come at us, you know, 30 years into our faith walk. Mm-hmm. And it causes us to question God. Kristen and I were talking about something just a little bit ago. He's going to use, the devil's going to use things like that to come in, have us drop our cross and then go pick up one of these things that we've been talking about. Why? Because we're hurt, because we're upset, because we're angry, because we don't understand. And so just to be aware of that, that when those temptations come in, the enemy's throwing them at you to see if you're going to bow to your faith or you're going to bow and just say, see you later. Like this God must not be real because he would never allow this thing to happen in my life. So I'm just going to, I'm done with the faith thing. Mm. Um, so just be, I guess, sober minded in that sense also. Um, 
Okay, so the last one is Ephesians 5, 15 through 21 to wrap it up. Okay, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord, Jesus Christ. And then it says, instructions for a Christian household, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Amen. So in a nutshell, the new wine for believers. So after salvation, our new wine is to be filled with the drunkenness of the Holy Spirit, essentially. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, when they talked about, was it in Acts 2, when the Holy Spirit fell upon them, people thought that they were drunk because they were speaking in new tongues. And they weren't drunk. They were just filled, filled oh. to overflow with the Holy Spirit. But people that did not understand that thought that they were drunk. That's the kind of drunkenness we're called to. And it's not from a substance. It's from a person. And that's the Holy Spirit. So that wraps up the stimulant and substance abuse um, for this session, you guys. Um, I hope that was helpful. And can definitely reach out to me at any time or any one of the other girls, because like I said, I'm speaking for myself, but I've walked through a lot of this for many, many, many years. And so when I speak about it, it's really because I have a heart for helping people walk out of that bondage and that slavery to that sin. Um, but again, it's not who you are. It's, I believe you really have a hurt, a pain, a wound, and I know God can heal that for you in and through that. Um, we don't have to keep focusing on the sin so much. This is just to bring it to light, but oftentimes it's that hurt or that pain that we have to admit and look in the mirror and just understand that we have to get down on our knees and just ask him to help us through that. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. It's a forever work in progress, right? It's a forever relationship that what, that's what sanctification is. That's, you know, for, for a lot of people, they maybe have never even heard that word, <laughs> you know, like again, these Christians that have been Christian for so long. Um, and so any way that we can help you, I know like, you know, Nikki is obviously very deep now into the word and understanding and like Kristen and I, I know that we both just feel so incredibly thankful for yes. this, for yes. these, for you teaching us, for you discipling further to us. Um, and, and so, you know, just dive in you guys it's so incredible even for us in the last couple of months how much deeper and more understanding we now have too um so we're all in different parts of this walk yeah absolutely and and i think too you know it's like we want to help people in this world and what we have to understand is when we're discipling which when you are a follower of jesus you're called a disciple this is one of the best gifts that you can give to people is, you know, some of my favorite times are really just going live and just reading scripture and just breaking down some of those bigger words with people and the messages you get from people, just helping them like get that revelation. Some people are just not opening it because they don't understand it. And like you said earlier, um, you know, I kept saying, I'm not understanding it. So I'm not reading it. And then I kept not understanding it. Yeah. Um, this one of the best gifts you can do is give your time to people with truth. If I have nothing else and I just lived in a box, like I ask myself this all the time, if I, I would honestly, my husband says, no, <laughs> I would sell everything we have. And I would live in a cardboard box and just share the gospel at this point in my life. Like 
there's just nothing else. Like the Lord has taken away all of my other desires for this world. Like it's just worldly stuff. I could be gone tomorrow. Um, this and is the good time to be taken away from all of that. Like, let's just say that for a minute. Yeah. I mean, I mean, really, we don't know you guys. And, and here's what I, here's what I said too. Cause a lot of people will get caught up in like the end times and stuff. Like I believe we're in the end times, but I don't know. Here's the truth. Here's what I do know is whether Jesus comes back tonight and we're sleeping or he comes back in 30,000 years, it does not matter. What we do know is that we all have an expiration date in the physical. When that expiration date hits, it will matter what we have done in this world for him. Yes. And so it doesn't matter when he comes back. What matters is, is what we're doing right now, because there is a final judgment. No matter it is for the dead who are already dead. Yes. And it's for us later on. So it I doesn't think, matter when he comes back. I'm not going to keep focusing on that. I think people get that, get that twisted. Like oh, yeah. I've already died. I've already, I'm, I'm, you know, I've done, I've died. But no, he comes back to judge the living and the dead. It's not Amen. just for the living. It is for every person who has ever lived. Amen. So gosh, if we can just help people who are struggling to live a life worthy while they're here and it's for him, like period, like there's nothing like if, if you're doing things that he's gifted you in and talented you in, like that's all great. But at the end of the day, if he's not the center and we are the center of our lives, that's backwards. Yes. And so it's not about me. It's not about what I have. It's not about, and again, you can have that stuff. But like, for me, like I said, my husband, you know, the Lord has not taken away all of his desire for our house and everything. And I'm like, let's sell it all. Let's just live in a little trailer or whatever. He's like, no, that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But I'm just saying, I think what happens is, is you can't be the same. So like for the last four years, I took the 36 weeks of healing ministry I studied spiritual warfare and my sin and sanctification and come out of my addiction. I'm not going to be the same person today as I was four years ago. And if I am, that would be weird, right? Yeah. So it's not weird for me to say I'd sell out just for Jesus right now because of where I've been walking with him the last four years. If I hadn't been walking with him, I'd probably be all up in my flesh and the worldly things that we have. I'm not anymore. I could care less, yeah. but it's because... I know none of that has value. And I strived so hard my whole life and I was grinding for all the things of the world Yeah, and I was exhausted. None of it mattered mm -hmm. <laughs> and I'm just done with it. And so I think that there's just this point that we have to realize that we should li live like he's coming back tomorrow, not in fear, but in fear of saying, am I right with him today? Because there is a final judgment. doesn't matter if he comes back today or in 30,000 years, it's going to matter what I've done here on this earth while I had the chance. Yeah. And that's just to make sure we're right with the Lord and, and that's it. And he wants us free of the, of this stuff. He doesn't want us walking around with this garbage. It's hurting us. Yes. Amen. You know, so good. It was so good. You guys, uh, it was like, so like Steph said, Nikki, we're so grateful to you for, for pouring into us and all of our listeners. This has been a series that has gotten more, you know, engagement and responses and questions and um, people reaching out than anything we've ever done. And I couldn't be more grateful for that one to you, but proud of that because, you know, I, 
or maybe proud's not the right word. I always stop myself from saying that word. <laughs> um, but just, just so happy that this is what's resonating with our listeners. And just um, thank you so much for your time. You've given us so much of your time and I'm so excited to continue. And um, you're just a blessing. And this is just, I feel like this is just the first part of the series. I think Nikki's just an actor. Nikki's just here now. Nikki's just. <laughs> <laughs> You're not going so now we need to get new photo shoots. Okay? <laughs> no, and that's so true though, because once you go through this stuff, I mean, we could go over it over and over and over again, but there's just more of this revelation that, um, gosh, God just gives you so many topics. And what happens is I think he points out, people in situations and they're hurt. And he says, okay, now you're equipped. Now you're equipped. You know what to do with that person. It's going to be messy. Yeah. Um, but you're equipped now with truth that you can slide in and build that relationship and you can help them through their mess when nobody else knows what to share with them or nobody else wants to share with them because they don't know what to say or they don't know what to do. And I'm calling you into that mess because nobody else is going to do it. And I've been equipping you all this time. Yeah. I've let you go through your struggles. I've let you go through your sins and I've let you go through all those hardships and I spared your life so that you could go get messy with someone else that's in a mess right now. And I think that there's a time that that feels really dangerous when we're still unhealed, mm-hmm. you know, for three years, I'm like, no way I'm not going over there. They're toxic. Absolutely not. You know, and now I'm in this season and God's like, no, I'm actually going to call you back into that. And you're actually going to go do that. And it's going to be with some of the people that you never thought you'd probably ever speak to again. Wow. You've forgiven them. You've forgiven them, but you never thought that you would be. And I'm going to open some doors and I need you to be ready for that because I'm going to call you into that. And so I'm and just ready. Forgiving is not for the past. It's for the future. Yeah. Amen. And it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that you have to go back into it and be the person that you were or that they expected of you, you mm-hmm. can go in now equipped in what? In love and in truth. Amen. And you don't have to waver away from that. Yeah. And sometimes people will not love that. But think about this. Think about if you could do that because you know it's the power of the Holy Spirit. It's nothing I could do. If I do it, I'm going to be in my flesh and it's going to be messy. Yeah. But if the Holy Spirit goes in and he does it, how many people are really willing to do that? Like how many people are really willing to get in with actual truth that's going to set people free? Not just like a squishy, feel good type message, but like, hey, I know where you're at. I sense where you're at. I see where you're at. I've been there. Oh my gosh. You know, God really helped me in my life, you know, six years through that same exact mess. And I don't know where you're at or if that's any of any interest to you, but that's all you got to do. And who's going to really share that, you know, with people, people, we're just living a culture today where people are too busy. They got their own worldly stuff going on. That's more important. And they're just, they just want to do whatever is best suiting for them and fitting for them. And unfortunately, you know, that's, (laughs) that's not our calling. And so anyway, I believe I'm getting ready to go into a messy season and I'm just like, okay. I'll do it. I don't know. I don't know what it looks like. Armor on, girl. Keep that armor on. Yeah. But, you know, there yeah. was a test already. We talked about this last time. So you know what to do, right? Yeah, absolutely. When and when you stay surrounded, like, that's and you guys know, like, what better blessing than to talk to someone who was suffering and struggling 
And then you just got to plant a little seed for them. Yeah. And then they got to like the power of the Holy Spirit worked in and through them and they got to be set free of their, I call them demons because we all had them. We all have them, right? Yeah. They got to be set free of those demons, those demonic spirits. No matter how you want to look at it, that's what they are. And they're oppressing people and it's not okay. And I just think that's like one of the biggest blessings I think is, you know, how it feels to be oppressed. You know, how it feels to be attacked. And so what is the one and only thing that can help people get out of that? Well, there's a lot of worldly things that will create a bandaid, but man, we're looking to like attack the root, yeah. you know, and just like really see people get set free. So yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen. All right, everybody, if you have any further questions, you can always reach out to Nikki, you can reach out to Steph, you can reach out to me. We all have different walks, but we've all been on the journey. Um, do you want to read the repentance prayer? Should we end with that? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Sorry about that. Please, please. Yeah. yeah, thank you for reminding me. This is really important. Okay, so um, this will be in the show notes too, you guys. So I would recommend for anyone listening to go back to the show notes and just say this prayer out loud. It's, there's a lot of power in, re- in renunciation. Um, all right. So Lord, deliver me from the bondage of drugs and or alcohol. I ask that you heal my mind from the lies that the enemy has been feeding me and I have been listening to. Open my eyes to see the kind of slavery I am in. Remove me from the dungeon of addiction and lead me to your light. Heal my body from damage caused by drugs and alcohol and help me start living a healthy life. Even though you came to set the captives free, I am still living in captivity because the God of this world has blinded me from the truth. Lord, set me free from captivity and help me to find true freedom in Jesus. Surround me with your shield of love so I may continue walking in freedom that only you can give. Almighty God, arise and let the spirit of alcoholism and drug addiction be scattered. Let all those that are struggling with addiction be delivered and set free. Open my heart to the truth and break the influence of the enemy over my life. Let the resurrection power that raised Jesus from the dead bring healing upon my organs that have been affected by alcohol and drugs. Let your grace be upon me that I may go through the recovery process without falling back into my old ways from my unhealed wounds. Grant me the wisdom so that I can choose the right friends who will help me become clean and useful people for your kingdom. In Jesus name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, everybody. Happy Monday. We'll see you next week. I need a nap. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Works out perfect because it's my bedtime. Okay, that's a wrap on another episode of Activate. Stay up to date by following Steph underscore view and Kristen Lee Ballard on Instagram. Please share this episode and rate and review us today on iTunes. Thanks for being here. We love y'all. Later.